everyone. I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and a psychotherapist. And I'm Rue Powell, an admitted workaholic and self-care Luddite. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about women learning to take better care of themselves. We think self-care is important, but it can simultaneously be elusive. We don't lack information about it, but we don't always quite get there. So this podcast is dedicated to exploring different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious. We're looking at health, relationships, beauty, periods, and maybe a touch of the random. We also want to look at the hurdles we face that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. To submit questions to me or Rue, or to Claire, our beauty expert, or BJ, our resident therapist, join us in our private forum by searching Selfie Podcast Community on Facebook. Hey guys, well, we have a packed episode for you today. I'm going to be chatting with Erin Levine. She is an attorney and she works with HelloDivorce.com. We're going to be talking about custody and co-parenting in the time of the coronavirus and how this pandemic and shelter-in-place orders have affected some of our custody plans, what disclosures need to be in place. It's It's been a challenge. I mean, I can say as a divorce person, it's been a challenge even for me. So I'm excited to talk with her um, about maybe some creative solutions for those of us in this co-parenting space. Uh, we're also going to be talking with Claire about options for keeping our hands from cracking and getting too dry as we obsessively wash our hands. And BJ is going to be answering a listener question about grief and how past grief can be affecting us in our present collective trauma and grief in this pandemic. But first, I'm going to chat with Rue. Hey, how is your self-care? How's your self-care been this week? Oh, this week was a bit of a rough week. Um, My kids were on spring break, so we didn't have the structure of school. Mm. Um, So, you know, I am really just finding my productivity and ability to finish my job severely compromised. I mean, like 50, I would say I'm operating at 50%. Right. Which means I feel like I'm working really long days, you know, kind of, kind of working, half working until dinner time, and then feeding the kids and spending time with them and then going back to work until 10, 30, 11. Um, because I just can't seem to get in a groove. You know? Yeah, like you said last week, it's like having toddlers again. Like that 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 late night, oh, they're napping. I'll quickly do like an hour of work. Yeah, and it's that continuous partial attention. And you know, all last week I thought, oh, it'll just it'll be better once they're back in school. But the reality is I have kids with IEPs and learning Mm. difficulties. And both yesterday and today, it's just like I have to do a lot of monitoring and helping. Um, because the online format for kids with attention issues is rough. It's really rough. It's hard even for me to kind of navigate all the different classrooms and portals and assignments. And so, um, yeah, they're back in school and I'm still, um, I'm still struggling. Um, but I, you know, I have to do my job, you know? Right. So that's hard. And then I'm feeling just a little bit of ambivalence about the school thing because our governor just this morning, um, announced, you know, that they're working on a plan to kind of reopen. And I know he's going to be conservative in that. Um, he's, you know, wanting to follow healthcare advice versus economists, you know, economists pressure. But, you know, he mentioned reopening schools and it's like, as difficult as it is having my kids here at home, I'm really worried about when they reopen schools, like that's just going to create so much risk for 
the spread. Yeah, yeah, no, it's hard. I mean, it is difficult to this new life that we're all living is difficult. But you know, what's the what's the alternative is the alternative, you know, potentially um, spreading this disease. And if that's the case, we can all still be a little, you know, feel like we're uh, not quite there with homeschooling. But still, um, I don't know, the danger is like if like, originally, um, my kids were supposed to go back, go back to school April 20th. Mm-hmm. And if that that was the case, if, if they for some reason said, yeah, I think we're okay with that, there's no way I would send my kids back to school, you know? No, I felt the same way. I mean, they just finally announced that we're out for the year, but I told my kids in, I mean, March 13th was the day that they ended their school and I could see what was coming. And I said, you're not, you're not going back to school. Like, even if they reopen it, you guys are not going back to school. But it's like, where are we going to be in the fall? I mean, I don't think this will be eradicated in the fall. Mm. Yeah, there was there was one university that said that they were planning for a January 2021 opening. And that was like, whoa, whoa, this is and uh, there's part of me that's like, you know, what? I don't even want to think past next week. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so true. But I guess that's what is that's what was keeping me up till three last night. It's something different every night. But that's yeah, of course. I was keeping me up last night of like, am I going to have to be the mom who keeps her kids home when everyone else goes back? I don't feel safe because I have asthma sending them into a school environment because school is just I mean, that's how everything's going to get spread. That being said, I also have to recognize that I'm in a unique position where I work from home and that some people have to send their kids back to school. Right. So we can't right. just not offer it. So I don't know. I don't, no one's asking me. I don't know what the answer is. That's just something I'm chewing on. Yeah. 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 How about you? Um, I miss people yeah. a lot. I'm there right now. I'm just like, oh, man, it'd be so great to just, I don't know, go to my favorite bar and order my favorite tapas and, you know, see humans, see my friends. Um, my mom has been sending me a lot of sad face emojis because she misses me, which is nice. It feels really, really nice to be missed. And so uh, she, she, she does not live close by. But I was like, man, would it be irresponsible to like make a little take a little road trip and leave her a little care package and wave to her from the window and either way like it's not we'll be fine i'll see my mom when we can facetime but it's still just like man and maybe because i'm feeling uh vulnerable but i'm just like oh i want my mom i miss my mom of course yeah and so um you know school is a lot too and i don't know that we've found any sort of groove but i am okay with the fact that now like our dining area as opposed to just being like we've got an entire setup now with like books and chromebooks and there are pencils everywhere and so you know it's like what do you do with all the stuff that they come home with so uh, i kind of reconciled it's you know i I don't know (laughs) i i think we were talking about was it was it us maybe it was someone else that was saying yeah the instructions are have your kids have a like do homework in a quiet place with no distractions, which sounds great until you realize that most people have multiple kids and don't have like separate offices for each child. You know, oh my gosh, totally. It's it's rough, and yes, I don't think most people have the capacity at home to have every kid in a quiet place. I think right? Most people no. Don't have that house. No, no. Although right now it sounds great. That sounds like okay. This is your bedroom. This is your baby home office. <laughs> that right. sounds yeah. That sounds nice. Um, do you have two thumbs up for the week? I do. Um, okay, one of my thumbs up is in regards to 
not doing my hair or trying, trying not to. So I have naturally kind of wavy hair. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very frizzy. And so, you know, normally when I'm going out and about in the world, I have a routine where I would blow dry it and then I would use a flat iron to kind of wave it a little bit. But I've been trying my whole life to capture my natural waves in a way that doesn't look hideous. And of course, since I'm home right now, I'm like, well, what better time, right? What better Mm. time to experiment and let my hair dry naturally because I sure as hell don't feel like sitting there with a flat iron when I'm going to see no one. Um, And so I did find a product that I really like that is good for people like myself who I need, I need some moisture, but I also need some texture to keep it from like just getting big, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, kind of like clump the curls together. So I discovered this cocoa oil ocean spray. So it is a coconut oil based product. Um, And what's great is it's actually fair trade and organic. So it's like a nice clean beauty product. And so it, it, it's like a serum in that it provides like that sort of slick, you know, like the, Mm. the moisture but it also has a little texture in it. I like um, that. And so I sprayed in my hair when it's soaking wet. I have found it has to be like soaking wet. Um, and very like, I don't put a lot, but it does. I, I'm not, I'm not going to say that my hair is like, I'm super happy about it, but it's good <laughs> enough. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I have not heat styled my hair in well over a month and i saw that i saw this meme and it made me laugh and it said um i'm getting way too comfortable looking this ugly all the time (laughs) dude it's so true there are some days that i realize like i didn't even look in the mirror today like yeah i didn't look in a mirror or worse or worse you catch a glimpse of yourself in the mirror and you go oh 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 no um What's your other two thumbs up? So I have talked about the fact that I am rubbing my teeth down to little nubbins from stress. Like I have that whole like clenched jaw, grinding teeth thing at night, and then it's sore all the next morning. So I've talked about that. Um, And so a company reached out to me and I was so thrilled um, to hear from them. So they do kind of mail in mouth guards. It's a company called Cheeky. So they send- have you heard of this? I haven't, but it's a cute name is what I was saying. <laughs> it's such a cute name. I know. Um, and it's so funny because I even asked, I asked this in the selfie Facebook group. I'm like, surely there is a mail order option because previously I've gotten my ma- my mouth guards from my dentist and it's not the most elegant process. I mean, they're really just putting your mouth in a mold and then right. they charge me like $500. Ugh. So cheeky, magically, I mean, it's so similar to the aligners thing. Like somehow when you go outside of the dentist's office, it's like way cheaper. Right. But it's the same thing. They sent me an impression kit. So I have it. I haven't been able to try the actual mouth guard yet, but I'm going to do the impression kit. And then you send that back in and then they send you a mouth guard. And then they actually will keep your impression on file so that when your mouth guard starts to get gross, because they do get gross, you can just like have a subscription for them to send you your next one. I love that. Kind of brilliant. That sounds great. Yeah. So I'm excited for this. Yeah, that's awesome. Because I really needed a new mouth guard and I really did not want to go into the dentist's office, you know, in the middle of this, of this, you know, health pandemic. Um, Right. So I love that I just like later this afternoon, I'm going to make an impression and mail it back to them and then I'll have it show up at my door. That is so smart. That is is super smart. I know. What's your um, two thumbs up? 
Okay, I'm going to cheat. I got three things, but two are related. So one, um, I know a lot of us, because there's like nothing else to do, uh, we're all walking a lot more um, because we can't go to the gym and we can't, yeah. you know, socialize. Yeah. And um, and I have found that, you know, if, you, if you're going from like zero to a lot of steps, if you're like one of those people that's like, I'm just going to just start trucking miles, um, you can, it's easy to get sore. And I am really into compression socks lately, which sounds like a very, I don't know, senior thing to do. <laughs> but um, but because, you know, people use them for planes, but like nurses and doctors use them too, because they're always on their feet. Yeah. And I find that it's just enough compression. to I just feel more supported if I especially if I'm doing like a long walk and they come in, you know, like very normal colors or cute colors. I mean, I wear them under, you know, pants. So I like those for walking. And then in the selfie group, um, people have been asking me about my fanny pack usage. And so I have been wearing, I guess, only fanny packs for about three years now. I have not gone back to a regular handbag. And so I have like a fancier one, like a leather one for every day. Mm-hmm. But when I go for long walks, I like to have um, sunscreen, like my keys, my phone, and a small water bottle with me. And so I just use, you know, people were asking what... Um, what fanny pack I use when I run or walk. And I use just this really simple Adidas nylon fanny pack and my water bottle fits right in it. Oh, nice. Oh, and sorry, the bonus one. And this is only because it is just so cheap. And I really love a cheap thrill lately. But um, Trader Joe's is in Caroline now. I'm not sure if people know this. But I did know it, but I haven't tried it. So I'm quite curious to hear your review. Well, I tried the uh, Supreme Hydrating Eye Cream. I love an eye cream because my skin gets so dry. Mm-hmm. And it's like $5.99 where all of like the super, you know, it's like one, I don't know, tenth of the price, one twentieth of the price of like a normal really fancy eye cream. And it's very basic but it's very nice and for 5.99 i can't imagine spending more yeah totally yes so those are my two thumbs up get yourself a compression socks and a fanny pack and some cheapy cheap eye cream love it let's take a quick break to talk about one of our sponsors sloney is an underwear company that's doing things differently first of all it's important to know they are comfortable. What's great about Sloney is, as many of you know, producing textiles is causing a significant effect on the environment. In fact, when it comes to pollution, fashion is the second worst contributor next to the petroleum industry. Fast fashion has resulted in a lot of pollution, and so it is more important than ever to make sustainable practices in clothing companies. That's why Sloney is doing things differently. They make their super soft undies from tensile modal fibers, which are made from cellulose found in beech trees. It's biodegradable and compostable, but most important, it is really, really soft and comfortable. Sloney features stylish, minimalist underwear for both men and women in clean lines in colors that we love. And it's created by the first ever EU Ecolabel certified fiber manufacturers. Tensile modal material is three times softer than cotton, and it's 50% more absorbing than cotton, which means fresher undies for longer. Tensile is antimicrobial and hypoallergenic. If you'd like to try them, visit sloney.com slash selfie and use the code SELFIE for 10% off. That's Sloney, S-L-O-A-N-I-E dot com slash SELFIE, and use the code SELFIE to get 10% off. Okay, well, we are going to be chatting with Erin Levine. She is going to chat with us about divorce in the time of the coronavirus. So Erin, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. I love your podcast. And thank so you. I'm really... 
Yeah, I'm really happy to be here. Actually, I have to say that I'm not a crier. I would love to be, but I'm not. But this morning I was listening to one of your episodes and I just started bawling. Oh, in a good way, like good. in a cathartic way. I think it was just hearing two women who, even though we've never met, live very parallel lives to me mm. with kids and work and all of these new stresses that are now in our lives. Yeah. And to hear you guys put voice to it in a way that I haven't yet heard really meant a lot to me and I'm sure to your audience. Oh, well, that makes me glad to hear. I mean, that's obviously what we want out of this podcast. Well, you're definitely, um, you know, striking a chord and it's resonating. Good. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. So I am a certified family law specialist, Mm -hmm. which means a family law attorney in California. And I have been practicing law for 15 years. 10 years ago, I opened a law firm in the Bay Area called Levine Family Law Group. And more recently, two years ago, I launched an online platform called Hello Divorce. Mm -hmm. And Hello Divorce makes the divorce legal process convenient and easy to understand and affordable so that people can navigate their divorce on their own or with the help of a legal assistant or an on-demand lawyer Mm -hmm. as they need it. Yes. So we put you at the center of your case as opposed to a lawyer, although we're right there if you need us. Yes. Which I love, and I have to say, I was so tickled when you reached out um, because I'm super familiar with what you do. Um, First of all, because I went through my own divorce a few years ago, Mm -hmm. but second, because I also recently, I'm I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I recently got um, certified in divorce mediation. Fantastic. Probably similar to you. It's like when you really become familiar with the divorce process, you know how contentious it can become, how expensive it can become, and how sometimes, and not because attorneys are terrible people, but just because this is sort of the system that's put in place, things can become more contentious than they even need to be. And I love that you have really set up a process that's putting power back in the hands of the couple. And, you know, you're really... um, you're empowering people with information and then, you know, with expertise as needed as opposed to, okay, I'm going to take this amount of money and regardless of what you guys need, this is how much it's going to cost. Like you've kind of tailored – and it's – I don't know if this makes sense, but it just feels very sort of modern and forward what you're doing. Like, yes, this is how it should be. That's exactly what I'm I'm going for and hoping that – People understand the system, as you say, it's so insanely expensive and inefficient. And even before a lawyer gets involved, just the mere fact of one spouse telling the other, I'm going to lawyer up, oftentimes incites all sorts of emotions, especially fear. And when we feel fear, we do things that are irrational and um, like hiring that attorney that has that says he's the most aggressive lawyer right. in town because you think you need to do that. Right. But it's actually not the case. By the same token, as you know, divorce is major. 
not just emotionally, but you're dissolving the most complex financial contract of your life. Mm -hmm. And so to think that we can do it on our own without at least knowing that the resources are there if we need them, to me, would make me really, really nervous. And so that is my strategy. My strategy was to say, all right, we are going to give you everything I hope that you need to make this experience transparent, to understand the steps along the way, but you're not going to do it alone. You can use our Divorce Navigator, which is kind of like a TurboTax for divorce. Totally. But for some people, that's just not going to be enough, and, and that's okay. Yeah. And I love that you've kind of offered these different pathways for people. Um, not to mention, it's just, it's a pretty website. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm a sucker for pretty packaging. So. I am too. Well, I can tell. <laughs> I mean, it just, I don't know. I feel like it's like, hello, divorce. Like, it's peaceful. Like, hi, we're casual. We're not contentious. <laughs> well, I mean, so many of us are going through it. Yeah. And I mean, as we know, almost half of marriages end in divorce. And so we have to start reframing the narrative. We can't continue to let society tell us that it's a failure. Because for several years, it wasn't, right? For many of us, we had our kids, we had um, some really awesome times, we learned a ton about ourselves, there were some really positive moments in there, and it just didn't work. And so what I want to do is to help people move on to that next chapter to grow as opposed to focusing on everything that they or their ex did wrong. Absolutely. I love it. Well, you know, divorce in the time of the coronavirus is complicated. Um, This shelter-in-place order has a lot of people questioning how this affects custody and Um, You know, and then there's the issue of different parental values. How are you seeing, you know, the issue of divorce play into um, the shelter in place order? Wow. Okay, this is pretty major, not to scare any of our listeners, because there's so much that we can do to move forward and move past it and feel supported. But I will say that the day we got the shelter in place order, which was Quite a few weeks ago, we're in the Bay Area. I think it was almost a month ago. Can you believe it? I think it was the 13th, wasn't it? uh, Yes, I think so. Because that was the day that we were talking about as an office, hey, we Uh should start thinking about what will happen if we need to stay home. And then boom, (laughs) right? Yeah. And then boom. Um, So everything changed for our office, which is funny because Hello Divorce is a work-from-home company, Mm -hmm. and Living Family Law Group was primarily remote as well. So you would think not much would change. But what's happened is we already have a family law system across the country that, as I said earlier, pits people against each other, Mm -hmm. is insanely expensive, super inefficient, and not a great way to resolve conflict. That was before COVID. Right. And now... It's the same, but worse. Yeah. (laughs) So we on a regular Monday morning would see maybe two to five, maybe 10 inquiries on our site. And what we found was within the first week, we had 1,500. Wow. I know. And these were not necessarily people that were looking for information about divorce. These were people that were panicked about 
how and if they should follow the child custody agreement or orders that they already had in place. Right. So for the first time in my professional career, I couldn't just give people an answer. And that was awful. There's no handbook for this. There's no laws in place. There's no precedence. Absolutely. There's nothing. I mean, we couldn't even determine at the very start whether or not the exceptions for shelter in place included being allowed Mm -hmm. to transfer your kids. I mean, Mm -hmm. so it was totally chaos. And I found that, you know, Huffington Post and BuzzFeed and our clients and colleagues across the country were coming to me for answers. And I didn't really have them. So... I had to take a big deep breath and, of course, connect with some of the smartest and bravest people I know to try to figure this out. And ultimately, what the consensus was is that there is, in fact, an exception Mm -hmm. in most shelter-in-place orders across the country that Mm -hmm. allow for child custody exchanges. Mm -hmm. Right. So you should stay at home, (laughs) but you can drive to your co-parent's house to exchange. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. But that's the legal answer. That's definitely Mm -hmm. not the mama bear answer. Okay, what's the mama bear answer? So the mama bear answer is that even if your order says that you need to do a child custody exchange, and even if the law says that you should in fact do that exchange, it might not be what's best for your kids. Right, So the next question I get is, okay, if I choose not to follow the terms of our custody order, either because my ex is not taking shelter in place seriously, or my ex has, you know, is a, is a doctor Mm -hmm. and on the front lines and I'm worried about exposure, or maybe I have an autoimmune disorder. And so Mm -hmm. I have to be exceptionally careful and vigilant about whether or not my kids or I are exposed to it. Then you have to make that decision, right? Am I going to follow that court order? Mm -hmm. And I am telling people that ultimately, you have to go with your gut. And I think you probably understand, like, as a therapist, sometimes you make recommendations that don't necessarily follow the letter of the books that you have read. Right. Because the the, the letter of the law was not written, you know, to, to deal with this kind of a crisis. And exactly. as you said, I mean, at the end of the day, you always want to put the interest of the children above all. You really do. And sometimes the letter of the law is not in the best interest of kids, you know, Um and I think so many divorced people I know are, are in that struggle right now. And I, you mentioned what I have seen to be one of the biggest issues is, is when there's a real disparity between how people are responding or complying to the shelter in place. And what I'm seeing, and this may be stereotypical, um, but what I am seeing a lot of and experiencing myself is um, – women who are dealing with co-parents, co-parenting men who are not following the shelter in place, and then women trying to figure out, what do I do with this? Like, do I send my kids back to dads if I know that he's been in contact with other people? Right. Or has his new girlfriend and new kids over as well? And where have they been? And what are they doing? Right. I mean, I... 
I think that there's two types of calls we've really been getting. It's the parents who already had a really strained co-parenting relationship. Maybe there was some type of parental alienation involved where one parent was trying to keep the kids from their other parent. And in those cases, it's awful because people are using this as a way to keep their kids. Yes. But the people that are listening to your podcast, people that are coming to Hello Divorce, those are not the people for the most part. Um, These are people who generally did fine Mm co-parenting. And now they're having a really, really hard time. And quite frankly, it's like the Wild West out there. Yeah. Because we're getting very little guidance or input from courts. And in most places, the only way to really get help from court is to file an ex parte or an emergency motion, which is so expensive and so So procedural. It's almost impossible to do it on your own. Plus, most people don't want to blow up their case like that. They don't want to throw their ex under the bus as public part of public record. That's right. And, you know, and then there's also the issue of courts are just packed up right now. So let's say that I decided, you know, I'm frustrated, I'm going to file something. I wouldn't have a hearing for another three, four months. Yeah, that's entirely possible. Yeah. So, I mean, I know in Orange County, that's how backed up it is. So, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm on a listserv. Sorry. (laughs) I'm on a listserv with judges. I don't know how I ended up on it, but I am. And I'm hearing that there's banker boxes full of documents that haven't even been looked at that are quote unquote emergencies. So that is a good reminder to your listeners that if there is an emergency like domestic violence or abuse, that, you know, we really need to, to the extent possible, bring in law enforcement to help because in the past we could get an emergency protective order Mm -hmm. with the courts. And now I think they're just too backed up and we're not seeing those being processed timely. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. But then I think where that leaves the most of us, the majority of us who have Mm -hmm. been in relatively peaceful co-parenting relationships, but then now find ourselves in you know, some really difficult decisions, we're really left on our own, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to yes, kind of navigate absolutely. this. Right. And some of the ways or strategies that we've been able to think through or work through co-parenting issues before are not coming to the forefront of our mind because many of us feel panicked. Mm-hmm. And so I'm hoping that we can talk about a few different ways today that can be helpful in terms of co-parenting communication. And I know you'd also like to get into the other ways that COVID is affecting divorce, and I'm happy to talk about that too. Yeah. So what you know, what are some of the strategies you would recommend for a couple who is struggling, who, you know, maybe they have different values or different ideas of what should be happening right now? What are some resources available outside of, you know, filing a motion with the court? Right. Well, first of all, I'm hoping that they can establish some ground rules. Mm -hmm. And one of those first ground rules is going to be neither one of us is going to take this to court. Right. If it has to happen, it has to happen. But I think that starting with a threat that I'm going to file a motion uh, unless you comply generally does not help when you're communicating, especially with men. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. So I think that the first thing that we can do is try to get on the same page with our co-parent. 
about what our goals are here, which are hopefully to keep our kids as safe as they possibly can, and not just physically, but their emotional well-being as well. Right. So I think that people really need to start to think about being as creative as possible. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. might decide that it's not okay for your kids to leave your home, and I'm not going to judge that decision, But what is important is that you make your kids 100% available to that other parent, whether it be through FaceTime or text, or if you have a Facebook portal, that can be a great way, especially if you have young children, to keep them connected. But whatever you can, maybe it's that, hey, when all this is said and done, you will have three extra weeks over Mm -hmm. summer break. Right. But being generous with your time and with the kids and being creative and trying to um, come up with some ideas that could work towards an agreement. And it may be that that doesn't work at all and you just have a really pissed off ex. And if that's the case and this does end up in court – I want you to be able to share with the judge that you tried. Mm -hmm. I want you to be able to share with the judge that you communicated with your ex as to why you were so concerned that you didn't exchange the children and then what you tried to do to ensure that your ex at least has some form of connection with your kids during this crisis. Let me ask this too, because I know, you know, I know that is the case, as you mentioned, that there are some people who might take this as an opportunity to um, not exchange kids out of a power struggle or out of, Mm -hmm. you know, pettiness or I've, you know, I've wanted this all along anyway. So, you know, as we're thinking through all of this and trying to do our best, keeping the kids, you know, at, at the front of all of these decisions, what would be like reasonable or legitimate reasons to not exchange custody in the midst of a pandemic? Great question. Yeah, I think that, you know, some people say, well, I'm much more equipped to do homeschool and therefore the kids should stay with me. That is not a legitimate mm-hmm. reason. Right. Ultimately, if this ends up in court, the judge will not be very happy with you. And if Mm -hmm. the court feels that you are in any way trying to alienate your kids from your ex, you could end up losing custody. So we have to be really careful here. Yeah. Um, So I've seen it all in the past couple weeks. um, And I think that some of the reasons why would be if the exchange is not close in proximity. Mm -hmm. So if you have to put your kids on a plane, Probably not a good idea. Air yeah. traffic is down over 95% and we know why. Yeah. It's not necessarily a good idea right now. So that could be a reason not to exchange. Um, depending on the whether or not your ex is taking precautions – Following CDC guidelines, it's hard to know. You're not a fly on the wall to see what's going on in your ex's house. But Mm -hmm. if they are ignoring shelter-in-place guidelines, if they are having people over as guests, if they have a job that requires them to have contact with people on a regular basis, um, that's the most heartbreaking kind of situation. And what we're finding is that a lot of people are making that decision together to keep the kids at one house over the other. But even so, it's so heartbreaking and hard because I know a lot of mothers that are nurses and doctors, 
that have allowed their kids to stay at their exes and they're doing FaceTime, but it just doesn't feel like enough. They just want to put their arms around their child and hug them and hold them. And this is just so heartbreaking. And we know that. Yeah. I it's think difficult. If you really have a question as to whether or not it makes sense to keep your kids legally, then that's a really good opportunity for you to set up a 30-minute call with a lawyer. Yes. And when you're choosing a lawyer, you want to choose a lawyer who already was set up to work remotely Mm -hmm. and online. Because Mm -hmm. what we're finding is lawyers are one of the last professions to embrace the tech revolution. And many of them have either closed down or have no idea what they're doing right now. Yeah. So it's important to, you know, work with someone who has adjusted well, as well as any of us can do. Um, and, you know, is 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 ready to, to offer advice without being distracted with their own stuff to the extent that that's possible. I mean, we all have kids running around at home right now, yeah. so there will be some distractions. But, you know, we really want to work with someone who... Um, is equipped to do so right now. Yeah. And, you know, if it's not as much legal questions, but more like, um, you know, just making sure that everybody's on the same page, couples could reach out, you know, co-parents could reach out to um, a therapist who works with co-parenting relationships, someone who really understands those dynamics. Um, You know, I think that would be another option too. I mean, Gosh, I that should have been the first thing that I said, and I'm sorry that it wasn't. <laughs> if you already have a co-parenting therapist in place, that should be the first person that you call. And if you don't and you need a resource, whether you're in California or not, you can contact us via the Hello Divorce site, and we will find someone for you. Um, some of our clients have chosen to appoint what we call parental coordinators or special masters. It's similar to co-parenting therapy. The difference is, is that if the parties are not able to come to an agreement, Mm -hmm. that parental coordinator can actually make a decision on behalf of both the parents. So it's scary to give up your rights to parent. That's very scary. But I'd much rather have a therapist who's been trained to help us navigate complex custody determinations than leave it to a judge who may or may not see our application for months when mm-hmm. this is totally not relevant yeah. and knows nothing about us or our family. That's right. I mean, I and I can't preach that enough to having watched my ex-husband and I have stayed out of courts completely. We actually did our divorce without ever going into court. Um, but the guy awesome. I'm dating has had a very different experience where they've mm-hmm. everything has had to be litigated. Um, and just the difference between where our co-parenting relationships ended up as a result of those different you know, ways of going. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's it's a really marked difference in the, our ability to coordinate and respect and, you know, co-parent peacefully versus where with them, everything, you know, everything is a new threat to go back to court. Um, yes. I mean, that is why we try to grab people before they even yeah. start in the legal system yep. because no one knows that there's other options, right? right. What we – think about is either you lawyer up 
maybe you try mediation or there's a bunch of DIY services out there that offer really no good support. And so, you know, it's, people don't know that there are other options out there. And how you walk through divorce is really important to what your co-parenting relationship ultimately looks like. I 100% agree. It's interesting. I have an interesting perspective in that my husband and I got divorced and remarried. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Um, Which like never has never happened in 15 years of me uh, practicing family law. So it was like crazy that this happened, but we followed our heart and this is where we ended up. And so we, you know, we've really been thinking about, well, how would we have handled this if we were still separated Mm. versus how we're handling it now? And even being back in relationship, and to a certain extent, it's almost like experiencing that honeymoon stage over again. Mm -hmm. Um, Even with that, this has been so hard. We have a totally different outlook on how we do, you know, the whole kids being at home. So no matter what, there's going to be conflict. It's really just like, how can we navigate it? How can we be understanding? Some people handle crisis better than others. I'd like to think I handle it really well. My husband might say otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and um, I think, um, you know, I just, I would encourage people as, you know, always, but especially in this, that, you know, a, a trusted attorney or a trusted co-parenting therapist is going to offer you more attention and more time than than a judge ever will in a courtroom. You know, I mean, yes, you know absolutely. that, you know, you get 15, 20 minutes of a judge's time in a day packed full of cases versus, you know, if you go to an attorney or a therapist, you're going to get a lot of time and attention and and you're going to get someone who's really listening to all the sides with with much more time. Yes, absolutely. There's one more option too, which is not available to many of us financially, but it's to appoint a private judge, Mm. which sounds absolutely cost prohibitive. But if you have a case that is going to be litigated, it's like paying for one more lawyer. So it's expensive, Mm, but it's not insane. And you're not paying for the time, your lawyer time for waiting at the courtroom for your case to be called. Um, You are just paying that private judge for the time that you actually use. So you can get uh, problems resolved in real time. You can have a judge that you pick. I mean, obviously, it has to be someone that you're ex and their attorney agree to as well, but it can be someone that is known to be fair. Interesting. And you can move the case forward as quickly or not as you want. And that that's something I want to remind people too, especially people that are going through divorce and they're negotiating an agreement and just found that their brokerage account dropped They don't know what the value of their home is going to be. They don't know if they'll be able to qualify for a refinance on their home because they're applying for a loan for their business or whatever it might be. For those people, I would just say stop and breathe. Nothing has to happen overnight unless there's an emergency. This is going to be a long process. It's a marathon, not Mm -hmm. a sprint. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's grueling, but you can take your time. You can find a way to take care of you um, and take it one step at a time. Nothing needs to happen overnight. 
That's right. And and it's probably, you know, the decisions that we made a month ago might need to be revised every single week. Like this is kind of a moving target, isn't it? It is. Yes. I heard on one of your episodes how you said we recorded it the same day that we released our episode because things are changing so rapidly. Yeah. And that's absolutely the case. Today, most of the courts in our jurisdiction are not accepting filings. I accept I expect that soon they will be. So, um, you know, take that take this what we have to say with a grain of salt. Most of it can be used across, you know, months and years, but some of it might some of our advice might need to shift as the crisis unfolds. Let me ask you another question. You know, one thing that I have found to be awkward um in this new time is the level of disclosure that is sort of required of each party to the other co-parent, because I don't necessarily care who my ex is dating um, or what that person does for a living. But, you know, a lot of us are in an awkward situation where these are questions we now have to ask. You know, I can, I, mm-hmm. I can no longer just kind of not be informed of who's coming in and out of the house that my kids might go to on the weekend, right? Um, and so, you know, do you have any advice for for how to disclose pertinent information um, that's needed and how to ask for that information and what to do if that information isn't forthcoming? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'd love to hear what you have to say on this as well, because you're probably more equipped than me as the lawyer to answer it. But I can tell you what has worked for some of our clients. So first of all, many of them are using the app uh, called FAIR, F-A-Y-R, because it's one place that they can go to to communicate with each other, to have a calendar that syncs to Google Calendar, to talk about money and other issues that pertain to co-parenting. And that way, they're not checking their emails or texts all day and sort of, you know, like where your body gets tight and you're like freaked out, oh, I have to open this text. Instead, you're saying, okay, I'm going to, whether this is healthy or not, I don't know, but compartmentalize my co-parenting relationship into this Mm -hmm. app that I will check how X many times a day. And there are mm-hmm. other ones as well, but that's my favorite. Um, so second, I would say the clients that are over-communicating are faring a lot better. Right. And what I mean is, is that they're really thinking through how they're presenting evidence or um, what they have to say and how they're questioning their ex. And they're trying to avoid certain triggers. So when you first asked me this question, you you said something like, um, I don't really care who he dates or what they do or what she does for a living, but I need to know, you know, X, Y, and Z. And I think that's how I would present it. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm not trying to get up in your business. The last thing I want to do is know everything there is to know about the person that you're now with. <laughs> but by the same token, like, I'm living in fear, as are the rest of us, and I have some really important questions that I hope you would trust and respect me enough to answer. Mm -hmm. Um, This isn't about you. It's not about her. It's about what we can do together to protect our kids and what you can say to me to make me feel a little bit better and vice versa. And so... I think to the extent that we can avoid demands and criticisms, mm-hmm. the better. Because the mm-hmm. minute we do that, our co-parent just shuts down completely. Yeah. So 
we need to remember that we are a team up against a problem. It's mm-hmm. not X versus Y. It's yeah. us against the crisis. Yeah. And that's a good thing to remember and to remind your co-parent as well. Like this is a really great opportunity for you to show your integrity and for you to model for your ex how to communicate. And I know that's so hard when oftentimes what led to the divorce itself were communication issues. I know, totally, right? But it is possible. And I have seen people reframe the narrative of how they co-parent. Yeah. So if I hadn't seen it before, I wouldn't share it now, but I have. Yeah. And what, you know, I mean – I know there's no, again, legal precedence for any of this, but what information do co-parents owe each other right now? Mm. Yeah, that's well, that's a that's a really good question, and that should be the subject of our next blog. Right. <laughs> I like that. Um well, I think we should be doing whatever we can to answer our ex's questions, no matter how absurd they sound. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're all trying to get a sense of, of well-being and feel safe. And the safer that each of us feel, the happier and healthier our kids will be. Mm-hmm. If we're panicked, yeah. our kids are panicked. I think yeah. the only reason why some of our kids are doing as well as they are in the moment is because we're able to control the level of stress that we have. Yeah. Now, that being say- said, you and only you know your ex in a way that is intimate and deep. So if you know that they are just using this as an opportunity mm-hmm. to control or trigger mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. then you have the or power glean to information answer. that they yeah. don't need. Yeah. Exactly. But I think it's reasonable to ask uh, what they're doing to protect themselves, to keep the house clean. You can share tips. Let's talk about what we do when we get mail or a package. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. As opposed to, are you spraying it? Are you using gloves? Are you wiping down the counter after you open the mail? You can use this as an opportunity to say, hey, here are some of the things that I read about that might actually work. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot of it is how you phrase the question and how you communicate with them. Yeah. Um, and if they're completely shut down and won't talk to you and it's none of your business and you're just a control freak, then maybe that's a reason not to do the custody exchange. Maybe not. I mean, I hesitate to give advice without hearing everyone's individual situation, but I just also want to give people permission to um, not just follow an order because it's an order. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I think everyone has to assess their own you know, their own health and their own level of risk. And, you know, certainly if you had an immunocompromised parent with a co-parent who's refusing to answer questions and, you know, you have no idea if they're following, you know, safety protocols or not, um, that, you know, that's a difficult situation. That that might warrant a different response than someone who feels totally healthy and, and has a pretty good idea of what their co-parent is doing. Yes. I I love that. Yeah. I think that something that you said, um, I really want to emphasize this for for co-parents who are listening, because you said, you know, our kids are really taking from us our own level of stress. And if we are creating stress for our co-parent by being vague, by not answering clear questions, by committing to, okay, I'm going to shelter in place and then deciding not to by, um, you know, if we're creating stress and chaos for our co-parent, we're creating stress and chaos for our kids 
that's all mm-hmm. going to trickle down. And I, and you know, I just want to encourage any listener to think about that. Like, it's not just that we need to show respect to our exes who maybe we don't respect, <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. that showing that respect is lowering the level of stress in the house for our children. Mm-hmm. That's big. And remember, our kids are one half our exes, whether totally. biological or not. Like, they are half your exes. And so if they perceive you disliking your ex or putting your ex down or putting more stress on the relationship, then that's essentially doing the exact same thing to them. They yeah. feel rejected as well. Yeah. Because half of them is aligned and in love and, you know, um, connected to their other parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. These are hard times. <laughs> they are. They're so hard. They really are. I get it. Um, absolutely. Let me ask you this, too, um, just to kind of r- wrap up our conversation. What about mm-hmm. people who were about to go into the divorce process and now find themselves in this sort of frozen state? Um you know, what advice would you have for those people who, you know, they were maybe just about to move out or just about to file? Yeah, now they're quarantined together. Yeah. That's fun. Oh, I, there's a special place in my heart for the for those people. It's no so kidding. challenging. Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, if you have a good or decent co-communication um, relationship, this could be an awesome time to actually work through the divorce process. Mm-hmm. Um, that's assuming that the two of you have already been on notice that the divorce is forthcoming. For a lot of people, you've been thinking, should I stay or should I go for the longest time? And now that you've been quarantined together for weeks or months, you've decided unilaterally that the relationship is over and you're waiting for that right time to tell your ex. Mm-hmm. The right time might not be now. And mm-hmm. if it's not now, that's okay. You're mm-hmm. still living in your truth. What you could right. be doing is A, um, developing that support system that you're going to need through the divorce process. You could be organizing, getting the paperwork and information that you need that you'll ultimately have to either provide or share with the court when the divorce process does go forward. You could be thinking about how you're going to present the information, whether it makes sense to tell your ex or tell your spouse that you're ready to leave, or maybe you want to set a appointment with your uh, couples therapist to talk about it there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's lots of things that you can be doing to move the process forward, because I know, especially for women, They wait on average five to seven years before you make that decision. Mm. So once you've made the decision to leave, it's really hard to just not do anything. Right. And so if you're going to choose to hold off on telling your spouse in the moment because you're, you know, within the shelter in place orders, that's okay. But I do encourage you to take other steps to move forward and and prepare for yeah. the, the next chapter that's going to be very different and hopefully really awesome. Yeah. Well, and I mean, again, your website is a great is a great resource for anyone who, as they're sitting at home, um, wants to kind of figure out how to move move that forward. Um, yeah, absolutely. They could do a lot of that from, from their bedroom, from their laptop. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And if you can find a quiet place, um, we're currently in this moment only offering services in California, but we're just about to expand into several more states. But if you are in California and can find 15 minutes, then take advantage of our free strategy call because we can at least give you a sense of what the divorce process is going to look like for you after we hear a little bit about you. And I think that takes a lot of anxiety off of people when you can at least visualize what it might look like. So good. Thank you so much, Erin. This has been incredibly helpful. Oh, you're welcome. I'm so excited to watch your story to continue to unfold because I'm a super fan over here and I'm just really humbled that you had me on your podcast. Well, I'm so glad you came on. I think it's such a timely topic. And um, you guys can find out more and see what resources are available at hellodivorce.com. Thank you. We want to take a break to talk about one of our sponsors, Podcorn. Podcorn is a marketplace connecting podcasters to great podcast sponsorship opportunities like host-read ads, interview segments, and topical discussions. We are enthusiastic users of Podcorn and have found it to be incredibly helpful in monetizing our podcast. One of the things that we really appreciate about Podcorn is that there's no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes with different audiences can browse and choose opportunities and brands that are a fit for their audience right on Podcorn's platform. You can set your own rates and you can collaborate with brands directly without any exclusivities. We have found some really great brands that we're excited to be partnering with. You never give up any rights to your podcast and Podcorn is there to support you at every step and make sure you're protected and compensated for the work that you do for brands. The marketplace is a great place to give podcasters transparency and creative freedom. So you're only working with brands that are a fit for your audience. You can click the link in our show notes to sign up for Podcorn or visit podcorn.com and start browsing for sponsorship opportunities today. Let's hear from BJ. Last week, I received a message from Sarah in our Facebook group. And what she said was, I'd like to hear you talk about how grief from the past can complicate new grief, such as the collective grief we're all currently experiencing with COVID-19. And Sarah had just recently listened to a new episode in Brene Brown's uh, new podcast, where she interviews David Kessler. And David Kessler co-wrote with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross the book on grief and grieving. And it really is a spectacular episode. It's about 36 minutes long. So many moments that you just want to write down things he said. So I'd really encourage you to find that episode and watch it. There were some really great things that he said in there. And I kind of want to go over some of the things he talked about just because even as he said, people have misinterpreted the five stages. And now he's written a book, including a sixth stage, which is finding meaning. And he's like, no matter how often we reiterated over and over and over again, that grief is not linear, that the stages are not in order, they don't occur in order, they're not prescriptive, they're descriptive. You may not experience all of them. You may experience them all and then some. It it didn't matter how many disclaimers they gave. People still put those things in a box. And there's a belief system that once you get to that acceptance, which is the one they list as the fifth stage, that people think, oh, my grief should be over once I reach acceptance. And grief just doesn't work that way. If a mother loses a child, a parent loses a child, that grief never ends. Can you imagine moms losing a child and and 
someday getting over that? Of course you wouldn't. And so it's really important to understand some things about grief. One of the things he talked about was that grief is the death of something. It's the loss of something. It's not just a person's death. The loss of a marriage we call divorce, but there's another level of loss in a marriage, and that is the dream of your future that you thought you would have with that partner that is now gone. That future has been wiped away and you had expectations for that future that are now gone. And we grieve that as much as we do the loss of the relationship. Often we grieve it more than the loss of the relationship. It's really important to just have that understanding. So when you think about this collective loss that we're all experiencing now, we're grieving the loss of the world we lived in before COVID. We've, well, we've grieved, we're grieving so much about that loss. We're grieving the loss of normal. We're grieving the loss of physical connection and touch. We're grieving the loss of work, um, or work as we knew it. We're grieving the loss of gathering for meals or gathering for worship or gathering for anything. There's so many things about this that we're grieving. And the truth is this will end. It's not permanent like death is and like many losses are. And yet, what we're grieving is the part that we probably will never get back because there will be parts of this that will never go back to normal. We will look back on this the way we look back on 9-11 and all the ways that it changed travel and all the ways that it changed so many other things. And this is a much more universal experience. And so the, the changes that won't be normal again are dramatic. I do want to throw something in there as I talk about normal If you follow me on Instagram, you've heard me reiterate this a few times now. People keep saying, talking about the new normal, the new normal. This is not the new normal, people, the way we're living right now. This part will end. This is not your new normal. Things will be different. We will have a different normal. There will be some things that will go back to normal as we knew it. And it's important to cling to those things and try to recreate those things in the abnormalcy of what we're experiencing as often as possible because that grounds us. And some of those things will go back to being completely normal when this ends. But there will be things that will never be the same again. There will just be things that change dramatically and That's what we're collectively grieving is the loss of the things that we are losing to this pandemic besides the loss of life. We have to name grief just like we have to name trauma in order to heal it. We cannot bypass it. We cannot move to acceptance or, as he talks about in the new stage of finding meaning, he's very careful to say that that comes after time. You can't move into acceptance and finding meaning in the death of your child or in the death of your parent or in the death of your sibling in the very beginning. But there will come a time when we need to find meaning not in the death. We're not ever going to find meaning in what we lost, but we'll find meaning in our own lives because of the life that was lost, because of the life we lived with that person the way we will heal from that loss is by finding meaning again, because we lose meaning in those early stages of grief. And it's impossible not to. Even the the concept of that, he points out it can't be 
a way of spiritually bypassing the pain of grief. We have to name grief. We have to name pain. We have to name trauma so that we can move through it and heal from it. Because when we move past it, like it's not there, when we dismiss it or we detach from it in an unhealthy way, we dissociate from it, it buries in our systems and it comes back up over and over and over again. What's really interesting, and I love Sarah's question, is because grief is trauma. They go hand in hand. We can't experience trauma without having grief because trauma takes things away from us. It takes away our words. It takes away our memories. It takes away our innocence. It takes away what we were supposed to receive in our early childhood development when our parents are unable to give us that, when they're unable to meet all of our emotional and physical and mental needs. We lose that innate need. It's a felt need that is born in us. And when it's not met, it stays a felt need. And we move through life trying to find someone else to fill that need for us. And it never leaves us until we learn how to heal and fill that need for ourselves. Grief goes hand in hand with trauma. Both require us to acknowledge their existence, name the pain associated with it, allow ourselves to be in that discomfort, be in that loss, be in that grief, and then begin to find meaning on the other side of it. And that's where the healing comes in. So as we look at the past grief and the past trauma and how it affects the way we respond to this new grief and this new trauma that we're experiencing, there are a lot of different things to consider. First of all, there are so many reasons for grief and loss and trauma as children and in in early adulthood, even if your trauma and your grief is, is recent, but still in the past. They all play into the losses that we experienced in early childhood. So abandonment, neglect, lack of nurturing, abuse, all of the things we may have experienced, whether overtly or covertly as children in our early childhood development that registered as trauma, those things will come forward. When we tap into the grief that we're experiencing now, our brain begins to connect past and present in these moments. And I've talked about this before, and this is what the inner child work is about. Because the moment I experience a grief now that feels like a grief I experienced before, my brain thinks it's the same grief. And so now I'm revisiting the original wound, the original loss. My brain is blending them together. And this new loss may, by comparison, be small, but the brain doesn't register it that way because it feels historical. And so that's why it's so important for us to bring perspective in, just like we always do in the midst of a trigger. So here are some signs that you may be kind of triggered into your inner child, into your inner adolescent, into your historical experiences with trauma and grief. You're in a hypervigilant state, hyper aroused. Things that outside of the pandemic typically wouldn't upset you are agitating you nonstop. Agitation is also a symptom. 
of that judgment of others' actions. We've talked about that before. One of the things David Kessler stated, Brene asked him, she said, is it true or is it still true? What we've always heard that divorce is much more common in parents who have lost a child. And he said, let me tell you something. He said, I don't believe divorce or I don't believe the loss of a child causes divorce. I believe the judgment of our partner's grief causes divorce. And if you think about it, how often have you been in a situation you've lost a sibling or you've lost a parent and your reaction to that parent's death was to go into overfunctioning mode. You're writing all the thank you notes for the flowers that were sent and you're making sure all the meals are organized. And that's how you deal with your grief. You go into action and then your sister's sitting over in the corner and she's she can't stop crying and she can't function. And she's looking at you thinking there's something wrong with you because you're not grieving the way she's grieving. And that's what he was talking about. So take that right now. And think about what you've seen in social media and how people are judging each other for the way they're responding to this pandemic. The people that are judging those who aren't taking it seriously, rightfully so. But that judgment is about trying to feel in control. Those people who aren't taking it seriously, who are actually maybe even going down rabbit holes of fear that make them say, you know, I think this is all a big hoax, or I think there's something wrong with this. There's just something not right about it. I don't know if I trust that it's true. And the judgment that comes towards that person, honestly, at the end of the day, whatever way we're dealing with it is the way we're trying to mitigate the fear. So judgment is a very real way that it shows up, especially driven by fear. Another way it shows up, anxiety. Obviously, it feels like the most common way, but even recognizing that anxiety looks different in different people. For some people, as many people in our group have um, expressed, it's overt lack of sleep, racing thoughts, gastrointestinal issues, just nonstop, can't really stay out of fear. It's in the chest, it's in the belly. But then there's another level of anxiety that it's much more covert. Um, I experience it as a buried anxiety. I, I didn't always. I used to experience it very overtly, but now mine is kind of an undercurrent that rises up like a tidal wave every once in a while and comes out in all, all of these different ways. But that I can feel it like a heaviness that's always there, almost like an underlying depression, which I'm experiencing a little bit this week. But mostly it's just that knowledge that something's not normal. We can't deny our physiology and it carries all of this. And so for me, it is that undercurrent. Our tolerance levels are very limited. Your ability to tolerate your family, which is these are such unusual circumstances. And I just want to keep reminding you, don't forget how unusual it is. In case you haven't figured it out yet, you cannot succeed at this. No one can. If you are working from home, homeschooling your kids, if all of you are under the same roof, if you're not going to work or you're going to work, but you're having to adhere to all the responsibilities of trying to keep you and everyone else safe, there is nothing about any of this that is succeedable. You can't succeed at this. You are going to fail over and over and over again. Lower your bar. 
Because if we're going to survive this, the only way we'll be able to do it is if we stop trying to succeed at it and just let enough be enough. Whatever today's enough is, it's enough. And I feel like there's probably more anxiety about that one thing than any other thing. But you're going to miserably fail at this pandemic. Welcome to the club. We're all failing at it. We're all struggling. This is just not an easy situation for us to be in. I just hope you can remember that whatever reaction you're having, you can absolutely count on it being grief and trauma. If you are not responding to something the way you typically would, you can absolutely bet it's attached to your trauma. Just give yourself some grace around it. Take a deep breath. Make the amends you need to make at the end of the day. And pick up tomorrow where you left off or start a new day, whichever you choose. There's not a right or wrong way to do anything in this pandemic. Just do the best you can with whatever you've got to give it today. And if you need to give up, give yourself permission to give up and start over. Because I think we probably all need to do that a few times here and there. Okay, well, let's go to Claire. Hey, Claire. Hi, guys. Okay, so my question um, for today is my own question. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's not a listener question. It's mine. Um, So obviously, washing my hands much more than I ever have in my entire life um, and using hand sanitizer much more than ever. And my hands are so dry and cracked and a mess. Oh, yeah. And your cuticles, too, I'm sure. Yeah, all of it. So what do we do for our poor hands in the middle of this cold weather as we're washing them 10 times a day. So I'm already like shocked that you don't own this product (laughs) from Dr. (laughs) Bonner's. It is the organic magic bomb. Oh, it comes in like those little tins. Yes. Like like you like you screw off. Okay, so they have a couple of them. This one is unscented. I'm not kidding you. I put it on everything. But specifically, I, I really love getting my nails done. I'm like a total gel now nail fanatic. And so it's been really hard on me not being able to get my nails done. <laughs> my cuticles yeah. are dry and my fingers are cracking. Anyway, so I found this actually for my face a few months ago. And I've been using it on my hands. It's amazing. It's organic. Um, it doesn't really have a scent, which I love. It's just, it feels so good. And it's not tacky. It's not too emollient. It's just, and it absorbs quickly. Um, but yeah, Dr. Bronner's Unscented Magic Balm is awesome. And I put that on every single time after I wash my hands, which... I'm unclear if we're really supposed to do that, but I mean, desperate times. Mm, yeah, you got to do what you got to do right now. All right, I'm going to try this. There is actually also another really great product from, oh, I forgot about this and I ran out of it a few weeks ago. The the bomb from Honest, Honest Beauty. It's like called the All Over Bomb. Oh, I've not tried that either, but I love that brand. These are two brands yeah. I love, but products <laughs> I haven't tried. And they're really affordable. Each of them, I think, are yeah. under $10. And at Target. Yeah. Target, Amazon. I was at Sprouts the other day. Like I finally ventured out and um, I bought two more of those magic bombs. And they also have a, be careful when you purchase them because there's one that says uh, menthol and one is unscented mm. and they look almost identical. One's light blue and one's dark blue. You do not want to put that menthol in the wrong place. <laughs> uh, no, I don't really want menthol anywhere. <laughs> it's 
kind of nice. It's like for like a muscle rub. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's not good for really anything else. You don't want that on your hands and then you touch your eye or yeah. Which I would 100% have done. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Hey, thank you for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us on Instagram at at selfiepodcast and in the Selfie Podcast community group on Facebook. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so you can catch up with us next week. Take care. Take care.